Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to make 2023 your best September elk season yet? If you answered yes, my friends, you are in the right place. From the Western Huntsman Podcast and brought to you by Phelps Game Calls, welcome to the School of September, the most comprehensive September elk hunting podcast on the planet. Listen in to some of the world's most prolific elk hunters joining us to talk about strategy, calling elk, spot and stock, and closing the deal on some of our wildest dreams. From the Broken Time Studio to your knowledge toolbox, let's get one step closer to notching that tag. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week. Well, actually, I should say this month's installment of School of September right here at the Western Huntsman Podcast. I got somebody that I've wanted to get on the show for a long time. I've been listening to his show and following his content for a long time. I'm like a major... uh, you know, fanboy of uh, of this month's guest for School of September. I think he's going to be an excellent addition to this lineup, and uh, it's uh, for for me. It's been a long time coming. So, everybody, uh, if you uh, we can't hear you, but give him a warm welcome. It's Cody Rich from the Rich Outdoors. How you doing, brother? Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Um, I mean, School of September. That's like that's uh, my, my jam. So I'm stoked to talk about it and kind of. Give my two cents. I don't know if I'm an expert or not, but um, you know, uh, etor- eternal student, as I like to say. So I'm always learning. Yeah, yeah no, I, uh, I I definitely classify you as an expert, man. Um, I think this <laughs> is uh, this is going to be a perfect kind of tie-in to. Um, I try to switch up some of the guests every year for School of September, and so this is this is I'm excited, man. Either way, um. So let's let's kick this off. Uh, for anybody living under a rock, give give us the the bird's eye view of uh, the rich outdoors and Cody and and um, you know where you grew up, where you're from, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, I was born and raised in Oregon, of all places. Uh, you know, grew up on uh, my family's got a small grass seed farm and uh, out in uh, Perrydale, Oregon, of all places. And uh, and so I grew up chasing Roosevelts in my backyard. We were kind of you know, we, we lived, our farms like up against the, the coastal range. So if anybody knows Oregon, there's a big Valley, it's called the Willamette Valley and we're kind of up in the coast range there. And so I was able to chase elk out my back door and, and uh, my dad was a super avid uh, elk hunter and elk enthusiast. So, you know, I grew up looking at bugle magazine and, and chasing elk out my back door and, and, uh, and slowly kind of got into the archery thing, super young. And, and all my cousins were older and, you know, they got me into elk hunting. So I started chasing elk and bugling at elk pretty early. Uh, and, you know, we just ran around the hills chasing elk as long as I could and uh, became fairly obsessed with it. I, I think it's for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with elk hunting. So, uh, you know, naturally that that started uh, it started expanding and I started hunting in Idaho uh, probably early. I think 2008 was the first year I hunted out of state. Um, and I so from there, it was like opened up a world and uh, you know, started going everywhere else and hunting, you know, Eastern Oregon, Idaho, uh, kind of pretty much every state I could get a tag in. And so, um, eventually I, uh, ended up saying, you know what, I think I want to chase bigger, better elk hunting. And, and so moving to Montana was a, was a big piece of that. I was like, you know, I want to chase, chase the big bulls. So, uh, I moved to Montana in 2017 and, uh, yeah, we, so we've been here for you know a few years and, 
and love it. Uh, I still kind of chase elk all over. You know, I got I got lucky and drew a tag in Arizona this year. I got an Idaho tag this year, and I got a Montana tag. So uh, I oh, got nice. a season full of, full of elk hunting, and you know, my wife's thrilled about that. I'll bet I'll bet she's real happy about it, man. You, <laughs> I'll bet you you're gonna have a honey do list like a mile yeah. long before you could leave for that. <laughs> yeah, ironically, when I met my wife, you know, I, I hunted a lot. So when we met, she she kind of knew what she was getting into. But uh, I told her at the time, she always she always gives me hell about this, but she's like, I told her, yeah, I kind of only hunt elk. And I think at the time, like I was pretty much only interested in hunting elk. And I was, you know, if I can hunt elk in two or three States, like I didn't really care about deer hunting at all. And, uh, and you know, she's like, yeah, slowly elk turned into, you know, bear season and turkey season and, and all these other seasons, you know, and she's like, oh, only hunting elk. So I, I, last night at dinner, we were laughing. I was like, babe, I'm only hunting elk this year. She's like, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I try not to make any kind of promises. Uh, like, right. I, I, I remember, was it last year or the year before? I'm like, no, babe, I'm going to set a bait barrel. Cause we could bait here in Idaho for bear. And it's, it's fun because you could be super picky, you know, and, um, I'm like, I'm going to set a bait barrel. I'll probably hunt five or six days and, and just get this done quick. Right. Yeah. And early. Nope, man, that, that season drug on for like three weeks. Cause I, I was just picky. <laughs> the weather wasn't cooperating. Uh, bears were nocturnal. And so I just, I I've learned, man, I'm not going to make any promises to her, uh, yeah. one way or the other, but I make it up yeah. to her when it's not. Yeah. Hunting season. So the best advice I'll ever give anyone is like, you know, when you first start dating someone that you think you might marry someday, you got to push the limits early and set the standard. <laughs> like you got to be gone all season. You know, right. I don't care if you got to go with buddies or what you got to do. <laughs> just, I think that's good advice. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be like some expectations set uh, in <laughs> and or find somebody who loves to hunt as much as you do. You know, uh, my wife does not hunt. And so. Yeah when we first got married there, it was an issue and I didn't understand. I didn't have very good manners about it. Like I'd be, <laughs> I'd just tell her I'm going, I'm going hunting. And then she took it as I was going hunting for the afternoon and I'd be gone for like five days. And so, uh, I learned quick. They don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like I always, I do think that, you know, a lot of people who get into hunting later in life, it, it's difficult because like, here's this thing that you didn't used to do. And then all of a sudden, like it becomes an obsession and, you know, even at 10 days, it's like this 10 day to them, it's a 10 day vacation. And that can be difficult, you know, like, yeah. So like it's, it's super tough for people who like, you know, start after the relationship is already in way. And so like, that can be difficult. That's why I say set the expectations early and uh, be like, yeah, you know, I'm going hunting all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's sound advice. When did you start the rich outdoors and why did you start the rich outdoors? So, um, you know, at the time, uh, let's see, it was 2015 and, you know, I, I got into, I was, I was kind of in a job where, um, I was doing some, some really cool stuff and I met a mentor who's still a mentor to me this day. Um, and he had a really cool business and, you know, I was, I was doing special effects all over the country and it was you know, it was awesome job. I literally played guns and blew stuff up for a living, which is one of the coolest jobs you can have. Um, but I remember one September I got like three days to hunt. And you know, the thing about special effects is they say jump and you say how high, because like, it's, you know, big money and, and big contracts. And so it was like, yeah, I don't want this. And I kind of stumbled into the entrepreneur world and, and there was all these dudes that were, you know, living on the beach, making money. And I was like, I want that, but I want to live in the mountains, just elk hunt. 
And so I kind of built a business and it allowed me to hunt quite a bit. And I was, I was, you know, spending a bunch of time. I was, you know, I remember one year I was, I think I had like six or seven tags lined up and I was kind of just hunting and working for my laptop. And, um, and you know, I kind I was in the shooting industry. So that, that company was powder river cartridge. And, uh, I was like, man, I just, you know, I wanted to be in the, in the hunting space. I didn't know what, but I was like, I, I you know, that's kind of where I want to move my move to. And I was like, well, I need to open up some doors. And so I started a podcast to kind of open up doors. And, you know, another piece of that was like, I remember at that point, I remember specifically being on a bull in, um, in Idaho and I could not get this bull, you know? And I was like, man, what would Dan Evans do? And I was like, I wish, I wish there was more content. Like as far as like, I could just ask these people what to do, you know, and, and blogs were kind of the only thing in forums, but they were like very paper thin at that time. And so, you know, yeah. magazine articles didn't tell you much. It was like how to kill your biggest bull, but it didn't really tell you anything. And so, um, I was listening to a ton of entrepreneurship podcasts back then. And, and I was just like, Hey, I want to do a hunting podcast so I can talk to these guys. And, uh, and that's kind of how it started. And I wouldn't guess that, you know, this many years later, it's, you know, still going still kicking still big it's like no it's cool man i you you actually had one of the first hunting podcasts i stumbled upon i like didn't even know what a podcast was (laughs) and and i was listening you were doing the wapiti wednesday and i I think you had just started doing the wapiti wednesdays yeah uh and i got i got hooked and then from there i started listening to all sorts of other hunting podcasts and i've been listening to yours ever since and so um it's been like uh, you've been a, a like a secret uh, mentor for me. Uh, I just—it's interesting too, man. I I just started a little no, local podcast to talk about like local issues here in my area. You know, yeah. I, I deal a lot in in Eastern Washington, North Idaho, Western Montana, and and I just thought I just wanted to talk to some of the local folks. Um, you know, and have locals on the show and, and gosh, man, next thing I know it's, it's doing what it is now. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's cool to like accidentally fall into something like this and get to talk to dudes like you, man. Um, cause it's just such a cool community. I think the whole hunting community is just, it's great people. Uh, you know, we're, we're all like this big family. We're friends We're you know, I, I just really enjoy it. Oh, totally. And like, I mean, I mean, still to this day, I still do the Wapiti Wednesdays and and the last two episodes I did, I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, I I just love hearing elk stories and talking elk hunting. And I, you know, it's one of those things I think you could do for a very long time, you know? And I remember someone uh, early on was like, man, you're going to do a podcast about hunting. Aren't you going to run out of people to talk to or things to talk about? And I was (laughs) like, man, like, it's so comical because when you just get into the category of elk hunting stories, like, I mean, we all grew up listening to, you know, old timers tell hunting stories and, and like that, that alone is like, man, it's endless. It's definitely endless. And it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I wondered about that too. Like, are you going to run out of content, run out of people to mm-hmm. talk to, run out of this, run out of that. But it, it's not, it's not like that because there's always something to talk about. There's always something new to discover. It's like you meet the old, uh, you know, 78 year old dude that's been hunting elk his entire life. And he talks about how he's still learning, learning stuff. Oh yeah. And you know, it's, it's, and the nice thing is, is like, uh, yesterday I just released an episode with your buddy, Jaden bells. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the second time I've had him on in like a six month time period. Um, because, there's always stuff 
to talk about. And it uh, was not like a repetitive, you know, uh, episode. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just really like it. I, I have, it has been a self-education for me. And then on your show, you've been doing, um, a lot of the entrepreneur discussions and talking like the, tell people about the lab. Oh yeah. So, I mean, and this happened, um, probably over a year ago, you know, I was like, I was a little bit burnt out just talking about hunting 24 seven. And I still like doing the Wapiti Wednesdays, but like all the other stuff, it was like, just felt like after five years, I'd kind of talked about it all. And, and for me, it was like, okay, am I just going to do this forever? What do I really want to do? And so I had like this come to Jesus where I'm like, okay, what do I want to, where do I want to go? And where do I want to be in, you know, three to five years? And, um, and so talking about entrepreneurship was like, that's, that's what I did, you know, off the mic, right? Like that's what me and my buddies were talking about. It was hunting and entrepreneurship. And, uh, and I think it felt like I didn't have the ability to just go out and create that because no one else was doing it. And it was like, well, that's silly. Cause no one else was making a hunting podcast when I did that. And, uh, and so like, it, it felt like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if it's a good idea. And I was like, I don't really care. You know, like, is, is it a good idea or not? Like I've, I've never been one to be like, oh, well, it's never been done. So I can't do it. I'm just going to do it and we'll keep tweaking and pivoting. So it was like, okay, let's, this is what I want to talk about. And it was kind of cool because once I started doing that, there were so many people that are like, man, this is really awesome. And I, I just knew there was a ton of people out there. It's like me and all my buddies, that's all we talk about. It's like clever ways to make money so we can go hunting. Hunting is an expensive sport. And so like, all yes. we do is like, you figure out how to make more money, you know, or like, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, the, the property or whatever. And so like those, kind of, those are the conversations I want to have. And at the end of the day, it was like, I just want to have a podcast. That's the conversations I want to have. And I want to learn from. So if you want to be a perpetual student, like go figure out a way to be a perpetual student. And that was kind of like the end goal for me. And I was like, okay, I want to create a community. And uh, some of that was like, you know, I grew up in small town and I didn't, like everyone thought I was, you know, ridiculous for all the things I did when it became entrepreneurship and doing those things. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to, you know, or bounce ideas off of, or all those things. And so like, if I was like, okay, what's, you know, what's the purpose you want to have out of this life? To me, it was like, I want to help people from super small towns that, you know, like that show them that there's a better way than just like A, going to college or B, like, you know, just, um, you know, being in the trades and grinding. And it's like, okay, like we can think, you know, if you want to, you want to have a build a life where you get to go hunting all the time, like here's, here's a, here's a hundred ways to do it. And if I show you a hundred ways to make a million dollars and to be able to go hunting all the time, like you'll figure out the hundred and first way on your own. And it's just kind of like that, that concept of like, I can show you a bunch of different ways to skin this cat. And from there, like you'll figure out how to make it happen. And just like those frameworks. And so that was kind of the idea. And, um, you know, it's going great. Like I'm pretty stoked about it and I get really good feedback. Um, and it's kind of like the, the thing with elk cutting that the thing that drove me the most was always people who text me their picture, of their first bull. And they're like, man, thank you so much. Like your content has been awesome and it's helped me kill my first bull and all these things. And I was like, man, that was like, that filled my cup. Like I would save those yeah. messages. Yeah. And then now it's like the same thing with entrepreneurship. And so it's like, you know, I, I don't know to me, if that's who I am and that's, that's kind of, I'm just going to create the thing that is who I am because no one can beat me at being me. Right. Like no one can beat you at being you. Like if you're super into entrepreneurship and side hustles and and flipping land or doing the Airbnb thing. And, and like you do all that to go hunting, like dude, that's what I do for fun. So I don't know. I try to find a way to like do or find a way to, to do what I love and, and just kind of keep 
chipping away at it. You know, I I would be I would love to get you back on the show when we're when it's not school of September to talk yeah. about that because I I'm super excited about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I I get I get that I listen to two types of podcasts basically. <laughs> Hunting and you know self improvement or like uh, entrepreneurship that kind of stuff. I I get I get yeah. pretty uh, psychotic about that stuff. It's psychotic meaning pretty excited. And so and that's, I, dude, that's the thing is like we're just like that's what we want to talk about. Like yeah, everyone I yeah. know is like man, it's like trying to figure out how to you know buy this property or do this thing and like and that's like I don't know all me and my friends ever talk about. And so like I and a lot of it was like yeah you know if I could make a bunch of money and be able to go on a bunch of hunts. Hell yeah. Like that's, that's a life, you know? And and there's a little bit of it. It's like the freedom to do whatever you want when you want, like who doesn't want that? So, you know, that's, that's Everybody what wants what it. Grinds and my gears. The thing is, is, is like what a time we live in, man, because there, I don't know that there's ever been a better time to have this entrepreneurial spirit to start a company where that you, you don't have to really even leave home anymore you you could start these companies you could start a business idea and scale it and get to the point where you're not punching a time clock you're not showing up on a job site or you're not sitting in a cubicle all day you you could create your own and and this is what i love about america that we are free to create our own destiny as of right now uh we're free to create our own destiny and and it's it's a place where you could dream and start that kind of stuff i get really riled up with this um the whole concept of that podcast and and so i'd I'd encourage everybody listening to check out the rich outdoors podcast especially if you have that uh that entrepreneurial spirit even if you don't maybe you have it deep down like like think of the the folks that don't start hunting until they're, they're like 30 years old they don't know that they're nutty about hunting until they do it, right? <laughs> and so you might have that kind of thing uh, hidden down somewhere uh, on the entrepreneurship side. And and the Rich Outdoors is a is a great place to really grow that mindset and and learn uh, to develop yourself as a leader and an entrepreneur and and uh, somebody who's just motivated to to live that kind of life of freedom. Yeah, absolutely, love it. Well, uh, maybe we should transition to elk hunting, man, for a minute. Let's talk elk hunting. But uh, you would you be up for uh, an entrepreneurship episode maybe uh, after oh, hunting absolutely. season next winter or something? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Anytime. Be, it'd be awesome, man. I'd love that. So, so elk hunting. So school of September. Um, and I kind of describe this on every episode. The the idea is I want I want listeners to be able to listen to all these different experts. These these folks that have been notching tags for a long time. They have a lot of a different experience in different types of regions, different types of units, different types of hunts and styles of hunting. And, and put this all into like this mental toolbox so that when they're in the field and they're in a situation where whether they've got an elk bugling or they, they spot a bull bedded across the drainage, wh- whatever the case is, they've got something in their toolbox they could pull out as, in terms of a strategy and, and make a play on this bull and, and, and have a higher chance of notching a tag on it. So with that said, can you kind of give us your overall, like this overarching philosophy as to september like what's your approach with september elk hunting is it spot and stock calling what's your approach yeah and i mean to give some context i, I grew up hunting Ro- roosevelt's and um you know i've hunted all over the country and you know the last couple of years i've been grinding it out in the prairie you know where there's not a tree in sight <laughs> and so i i have a very diverse um background and i've you know i've also interviewed literally hundreds of elk hunters and you know if there's one thing i'm really good at as an entrepreneur and an elk hunter because i see so many parallels is like 
understanding and building systems. And so for me, like I have a very, very different approach to elk hunting than anyone I've really heard. Um, and so I, I, we could get into tactics and I'm happy to like, here's like, Hey, here's my system. But I think the most important thing for people to wrap their head around, um, and you know, in 2019, I started talking about this, like elk hunt 201 and you know, this like nothing to Corey's one-on-one, I think Corey's course is great or whatever. And I've always just always said like, to me, 101 is like the guy that's bouncing around in the woods, just trying to figure it out. You know, he's throwing stuff at the wall, um, hoping to get lucky. And then, you know, the 201 hunters to me are those guys who are consistently killing elk every single year. You know, they can, they, they punch their tag and they probably punch our tag on a six point every single year. And then like the 301 hunters are like my buddy, Sean and my buddy Lucas, who are, you know, they're in the upper 300 caliber. Like they find one bull and they don't stop until they kill that one bull. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter yeah. to me. Like those are like kind of the three categories of hunters to me. And so I, like in 2019, I started talking a lot about like, okay, how do you, you know, how to go from one-on-one to two-on-one. And I thought about this a lot and I kind of worked through it as much as I could. And I would interview so many elk hunters um, and I would try to figure it out. And, you know, the one thing to me that separated, you know, the guys who are killing elk every single year is a system. And this sounds so cheesy and I don't think it's sexy. So people always want to hear like, oh, what's elk nut do? What's a secret call? Or, you know, what's Phelps do? Or what do these guys do? And to me, it's like, here's the evolution, at least for me. And I know a lot of the hunters I know. You start out and you're just, you're throwing stuff at the wall. You're just trying to figure it out. You're like, you're on a podcast that, you know, this bugle or doing a calf call or this thing, and you're trying stuff and all the time. And it's, it's a trial and error. So you spend years doing trial and error. And I did this, man, I, I would, you know, challenge bulls and I would, you know, they would blow up and I'm like, okay, this, this didn't work or that didn't work. Or, you know, you're just trying to figure it out. And over the years you find something that works or you figure out a little bit of a system and your system grows and it takes years to kind of all of a sudden you realize like, okay, I like doing this because it gets results. And I don't like doing this because this blows elk up. This can be dependent on your area. It could be dependent, you know, on the type of elk you hunt, all these factors, but you slowly develop a system of things that work for you. And I don't think most hunters, like if I talk to Ryan Lampers or um, Jason Phelps, like the, I guarantee they have a system that works for them and they may not even realize it. And so I'm a huge fan of like, you need to sit down and develop your system and think it through because when you have a system, you can rinse and repeat and do the same thing consistently. And that's how you're going to get consistent results. And so I think we're all looking for like some secret tactic or se- some secret ploy or some secret hunting spot that no one knows about. But at the end of the day, if you have a system, that's the difference between like, okay, I'm going to go out and I got lucky or I can consistently make this thing repeatedly happen every single year, which is to kill a six point. So I'm a huge, huge believer in like developing your system. And you think even if you're at the one-on-one level, you can slowly start to do that and it'll shave years off of your learning curve. Because at the end of the day, you're like, you can just basically go feel your way in the dark, trying new things, trying new things. And slowly you develop a system and that system is going to be built on like, I did this and it failed. I did this and it worked. I'm going to lean towards this. But if you go out and say like, okay, I'm going to develop a system this year and I'm going to do this consistently. You'll be able to 
basically adapt quicker and and have success quicker. You're gonna like that learning curve is gonna go from five years of failing to one year of failing. And I, I still think you could be successful, or whatever. But like I think at the end of the day, it's like when I'm a huge believer, create a system, find what works. And you can kind of tweak things within that. You say, like, okay, you know, here's my system, here's kind of the like the the three things I do to get into to bow range. Um, maybe I'll tweak those. Maybe I'll change if I go to a different area, all these little things. But now my overarching like thesis is like to have a system that you can repeat. When you say system, are you talking about like, I'll give you an example. Like I have, I have like a formula that I, I know I, I, because I've been hunting, you know, a lot of the same areas. So if I'm hunting locally, I generally know where the elk are going to be. And I generally know that if I hit certain dark timber patches at 9.30 a.m. and and stand 100 yards, you know, uh, out of the out of the scent and, uh, you know, I generally know I'm going to get a bugle back. Right. Mm-hmm. And I generally yeah. know I'm going to find elk in, in certain areas. That's a system I use for when I'm like locally hunting the areas that I'm super familiar with. I, I know where yeah. the elk are at. I know what they're going to do. I, you know. It happens every year. It's it's when I when I take that somewhere else uh, to an area that I'm not familiar with. I I don't know that I'm like confident in that particular formula that I use. So when you say right. system, so you have a formula for one area exactly. And so I have you know like my formula for if I went home and hunted the coast of Oregon would be very different than the formula I have if I was you know in eastern Montana and I can't see a tree. So those are different formulas for sure. But when I say system and, you know, a formula is very much a part of that. So I look at it as like kind of a four part system, which is, you know, like I'm doing the pre-work when it comes to e-scouting and I'm looking for certain types of things. I'm developing my game plans and all that. That's step one, you know, and then I break it down into like, okay, step two is like, I need to find elk and I need to do it quickly. Um, And so I think a a mistake a lot of one-on-one hunters uh, make is that they're kind of combining this finding elk and hunt or getting close to elk and they're calling it hunting elk, right? So they're just kind of wandering around the woods, making some calls, like they're making elk around every tree, you know, and like I'm I'm hunting elk, right? They're, they're calling that hunting elk. I separate the two in my mind. There's finding elk and there's hunting elk. To me, I go hard and fast at finding elk because I don't want to spend three days finding elk. I want to spend one day finding elk. And then I can spend as many days as I need to getting close to elk, which is a different kind of that's those, those that's step two, right? And a lot of that is like, you know, that's the thing is one-on-one, you're creeping around, you're expecting a tree an elk around every tree, and you're just kind of like you're hunting elk. But are you finding elk or are you trying to get close to elk? And they 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 kind of blend the two. Whereas like you look at really good hunters who are consistent every single year, they're finding elk, like they're 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 covering miles, they're covering in the pickup, they're covering in the boots. Like I need to find elk. And that's like now we get into once I find them, now you have your formula. So you already know where they are. So where you're at, you're like, okay, I don't have to do that. And that's why it's difficult for you to go to a new area because it's like, I don't have step two of this funnel, which is like, uh, I need to be able to find elk. So once I get close, yeah, I know that I can, these are the plays or the formula that works um, in step three, but the whole finding them is the kind of the hard part because you don't know that area. You don't have years of experience built into it. And so like, to me, when I, I say a system, it's like starts knee scouting. Step two would be finding elk. Step three is getting close. And then, you know, we talk about step four, which is like 
ceiling to deal, getting the kill shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I love this. So I want to, I want to break down the two different phases you're talking about. So uh, I, I really like the concept of there's, there's finding locating elk and, uh, and then there is hunting elk. I really like that mm-hmm. concept. Let's talk about locating elk first. Do you have, uh, walk us through like your e-scouting uh, mindset. Like, what are you, what are you looking for to kind of general? Cause I, I, and I'll, I'll give people like a bird's eye view when I'm e-scouting, I'm looking in a big area and I'm trying to nail it down to like three or four different spots where I think, you know, within a two or three mile radius, there's going to be elk hanging out there. And I'm right. usually pretty good at that. What, what do you do? What, like walk us through that. So like, that's a system, like, this is going to get complex for people. That's a system within a system. And so like, I could break down, like, actually I'm currently working on this right now, but like an entire e-scouting system, which is to say like, you know, basically that's a four part win of itself. So for me, you know, I do feel like finding elk is important to me. It's when I e-scout, I'm looking for efficiencies, um, within being able to find elk. And so like, if, if I look at like, let's take Idaho, I'm going to a new place in Idaho and I can find places where I think they're elk. Right. But what I really want is to make my step two as efficient as possible. And so what I'm looking for more to me, or they're more important are like ways to navigate all of that in a very efficient manner. So uh, take New Mexico, for example. It's like I went to New Mexico and it was like all brand new and it's somewhere I couldn't really scout. So I had to create like, okay, day one, like I'm running this, 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 and this, you know, and I'm going to run all this uh, in in the truck and I want to see everything. And from there, like, okay, my next step in that system would be like, okay, I need to to run some feelers out. And then at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, can I work this ridge and get to these glassing points? And so I'm, I, I care far less in the first like couple phases of an e-scout as to what the pockets of elk will be. Like there, I have mental notes and where I think they're going to be. But the reality is, is like, if I can show up to a unit and effectively cover that unit in one to two days, and find all of the pockets of elk. Now I have a bunch of options. And then I also have the ability to say like, okay, um, this, there may be elk here, but these three places where there are elk, I can efficiently hunt them, you know, in, in step or in sequence. And so like, I, I become far more efficient at finding elk, even if I bump them. So like one of the, one of the issues you have is like, I remember I was horseback hunting in Montana and I found this like super pocket and it just had elk galore. And it was, it was like a full day ride to get there. And when you bump the elk, like they were, they would bump up and over and, you know, it would, like there was just wasn't even an option. I'd almost have to ride a full day around because I can't take the horses where the elk went. And it was like, man, this is one of the most elk heavenly places I've ever been to, but it's the worst place to hunt because like the wind <laughs> is crappy like and when you bump the elk it's another day before you're back on them and so it's like you were just burning so much time and there's a bunch of inefficiencies there and i think you know when i talk about like if you want to be a great elk hunter and you need at bats you know the only person i know in the world that can sink every time or sink the shot every time is ryan lampers who like he has a superpower of like he goes on one stock the elk is dead right most of us aren't that right like we're gonna we're gonna screw this up a bunch and so like you need more opportunities than you do, uh, you know, just perfect spots, you know, or perfect elk. you need at bats, which is to say like, I need to be able to 
screw an elk up at 9 a.m. and be back on another one at 2 p.m. You know what I mean? Like you got to be able to have absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I look at that goes clear back into the efficiencies of e-scouting and saying like, okay, if I hunt this ridge, I now have like six different options of places. I think there might be elk and I'm going to run that ridge, which is a priority over saying like, I'm going to go 10 miles into the spot, this honey hole, it's this North facing, you know, uh, Canyon and, and no one's ever going to be there. And it's going to be full of elk. It's like, yeah, but when you bump those elk, you're, you're 12 to 15 hours away from hunting another elk. You know what I mean? Like, and so yeah. like you get one opportunity a day. And so I look at those as like, you want to be a 201, you want to kill a six point every year. Working backwards from at bats is is kind of the priority, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think um yeah, like as you described that, light bulbs go off in my head like crazy. <laughs> and so I, I I like talking about because when you watch, let's use um what was that video series born and raised it? And you, you'd like emceed it after the, the end of it. Yeah. Uh, Land I, of the free project. Land of the free. Gosh, I don't know why I drew a blank on that, but when you watch something like that or my buddy Dirk out there, when, when he's doing it, one of the biggest separators that, that you see watching videos like that is the at bat opportunities they have are not, it's, it's not like they have one chance they're calling right. in bulls or they're locating elk. They're, they're, they're always getting opportunities to make a play and they don't always work out, but they, it's not like, I think a lot of hunters, they'll, they'll go out, they'll, they'll get a bugle, you know, they'll get an elk fired up. Right. And, and they'll start having this conversation with this bull and they get really excited. They get super excited and they're, they're getting closer. The bull's coming in they're moving closer. Uh, they're watching their wind. They're doing all the things they think is right. And then something happens, a wind switches, blows that bull out. And it's devastating to the hunter because they feel like that's their one and only opportunity on a bull. And in a lot of cases, they're right. And mm-hmm. it, it was it was like this circumstantial thing where they they found this bull that was uh, willing to talk. And and it was like happenstance or luck or or maybe they did do something right, but they don't know what it was they did right to find that. And so they they just blew their one and only opportunity. And so how do how do hunters avoid that? with what you're talking about having this system or this formula where they're getting more at bat opportunities. So if we go and look at like, and just to kind of, I'll answer your question, but first I'm going to touch on like this reiterates the point I'm trying to make, you know, the born and raised guys, I I grew up doing the same thing, hunting very similar area, if not the same areas, the cat road shuffle, which is what they call kind of like just covering ground and bugling and bugling until you find one that answers. Corey Jacobson yep. does something similar, you know, and, and that only works when you're truck camping and you can, you know, be on all sides of the mountain. I did this for a lot of years. Like I would go to Idaho and it was, it was nothing for me to be on one side of the mountain um, in the morning and the other side of the mountain in the evening. And I would go all night covering ground. I mean, it was, you know, you could put a hundred miles on the pickup at night covering ground because you need that much ground to play that game. And so like a lot of people get confused and, you know, they're blending like a Ryan Lampers. I'm going to go 10 miles in and then I'm going to do the cat road shuffle and challenge beagle everything that I see. And it's like, no, those, those two systems don't play well together because, you know, you need tons of at, you know, not even at bats, you need tons of uh, elk to ground to cover to even get the one and I think that's a sh- diminishing return, even like, you know, the more people that do it, like 
when we were doing this in the early 2000s, like no one was doing it, right? And even, you know, 2010, no one was doing it. Um, and so like, yeah, you have to, you have to understand your system and say like, okay, you know, what are my unique assets, right? Like, do I, like, do I have a bunch of roaded systems that I can cover ground and, and bugle until I get an answer? And then I'm going to do that. And like, to their point, they have a great system. They figured out what's worked. They have a system and they rinse and repeat it. You know, Corey will tell you, like, he's not interested in hunting elk that aren't going to bugle at him. So he's just going to keep going. Right. Um, and that's fine. That's, that's their system that, you know, that works um, to, to a degree. If you have enough ground and you can do it. Right. And so the point of getting more at, at bats, and I think people, as, as those types of hunts get more popular, people struggle and they're like, okay, how do I get more at bats? I'm going to try to go farther, hunt deeper than other people. But you know, that also has its own limiting is like, if I hike six miles in somewhere and I blow something up, now I got to hike six miles out and six miles in somewhere that's, it's not very time effective. Right. So it's like, it's like, it's a balancing art of, you know, figuring out what kind of system you want to have. And this is why I think it's so important to sit down and be like, okay, what is my system and lay it out. And you know, like, like, I don't know my, my two cents. Um, but if you really want to get like at bats, like it just, it depends on, you know, like you got to create a system that works for you and you, and you kind of like, you know, you figure out how you're going to make it work with where you hunt. So for, for me, if I'm like, say I'm hunting the prairie, it's a very different system, right? Like I need to find efficiency in finding glassing points and be able to glass very, very far and cover as much ground as I can it's just a different, you know, it's a different version. And that's a little bit different than say covering logging roads in Oregon and just being like, okay, I need to, you know, bugle off every single hole, um, and to, to cover ground. And I think there's just a little bit different. So it's like, it's still efficiencies and like finding elk. I need to be able to have no shorter than two or three herds at any given time to be able to hunt. And I think that's, you know, something that most people are blown away by. Like they, like they, you know, I just, I see so many one-on-one levels. It's like, man, I found elk, you know, and I'm like, cool. I'm not sleeping until we have three herds of elk. Like I need options. And, you know, like just having those options is naturally going to get you more at-bats. I got a question for you when you're talking about hunting those, that prairie country. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I, very good at it. So <laughs> oh, no, I would, I, I'm just thinking about it, man. Like I would be, I would be terrible at it. I, I don't understand how that even works. Do you call elk in on the prairie or is it more of like a spot and stock? kind of deal it's almost entirely spot and stock <laughs> like yeah okay that because um, because i don't know how you you know you, you let off a bugle that that bull's gonna nail where your location and <laughs> you know yeah. half a mile away very seldom um you know very seldom am i calling any now and like don't get me wrong like i'll probably go back and i, I get the people that say like oh i don't even want to hunt elk unless i'm calling them that's that's fine um i think everyone has their own you know two cents i did that for almost 20 years, you know? And yeah. so like, yeah. to me, it was like, what's the next game. And when I went and hunted the prairie and fell flat on my face, the first year, like I struggled to find elk, let alone a shooter. And it was like, it, you know, instantly my reaction was like, I need to go back to the timber and do what I know. And I was like, but that's the antithesis of who I am as a person. I was like, I will fail at this until I win and, yeah, and yeah. I'll figure it out. And so like, and like, I don't mind looking like a failure, Cause I'm like, to me, it's like, I want to be the most well-rounded hunter, you know, like to me, that's the goal. And I don't care who knows or sees or whatever. It's just like, as a person, I'm like, I want to be able to hunt elk in any environment and, and know how to do it. So like, I don't know, it's just a personal thing. I would love to try it, man. I, I know I'd, I'd totally fail. 
but I would love to haunt elk in some prairie country. I've never done it. Every, I've, it's always been like, you know, high altitude subalpine yeah. or or super thick coniferous north idaho jungle you know it, it's just that's always I've, I've always had cover i guess is a point yeah. so i just think that would be a ball uh to to hunt and and try to spot and stock in uh especially with a bow on on in, in some prairie country and and see what i could do because um like you said it's it there is like i'm good at calling elky and man uh not not great at killing them all the time but I'm really good at calling them in and I can always, I can always find it, but I, I don't know how I would do in the prairie. And I used to hunt muleys that way, but, um, God, that'd be a ball. I'd, I'd love you to know the, the biggest punch in the face about hunting open country was, you know, like I've hunted a lot of places and you know, the results are easy. Like to some extent, it's like, I could leave a bull and come back two weeks later and he's going to be in the same spot, like sitting on the same bench, like that bull is not going anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember when I hunted, um, you know, in Montana before I ever moved here, I was hunting here and, and, uh, man, it was like, you'd lose a bull and, and you're like, you're looking in every Canyon and you're like, man, he was a mile away. That's crazy. Like, you know, like he'd be two drainages over four drainages oh, yeah. over and you're like, oh, that's crazy. And nowadays, um, I'm starting to realize that like, I, the prairie is just something else. Like you know, you could be on an elk and he may go 10 miles. Like it's not even unheard of, you know? And it's just like the, the turning them back up has been like, okay, this elk is here. And then all of a sudden they vanish. Like when I hunted Idaho an elk vanishes, you know, I can start to, to deduce where that bull went or I'm trying to, you know, like, okay, maybe he went here. I'll check here. Maybe he went here. I'll check here. Oh, no, he was here. You know? And like, you, you find him, man, the prairie is just like this bull vanished and I have no idea where he is. And I would look for like four or five days and I just, and all of a sudden he's like pops back up right where he was. And you're like, I don't know where you went, but that was frustrating. <laughs> Aliens abduct him for like yeah, an hour, fairly 24 hours. That, yeah. put him back in. That's how I, you know, hunting elk in, uh, in Utah, I noticed that like, if you, if you bumped them, they were like three, four zip codes away. Yeah, uh, where I think North Idaho is a lot like what you were talking about with the Roosevelts is yeah. they're they're going to boogie over into the next drainage. But but you can usually find them again, um, you know, give them a little bit, but the, yeah. they'll, they'll be there. And so that's that's interesting. OK, so I'm, I'm going to focus on that in the next few years. I want to go do a prairie elk hunt. Uh, I think, I think it'd be a ball and I'll, I'll totally yeah. come home empty handed and it's totally fine with me. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think, you know, it's like the more experiences you have in, in this, you know, I've learned this, you know, being a non-resident hunter in a lot of States, you go to a new area and you just have to figure it out. And, you know, I, I don't really care what the hunt is to me. It's like very similar nowadays. Like, um, one of my hunting partners and I, we went to Alaska to, you know, hunt caribou and it was like, you know to me, it was not that much different than, you know, going and doing a Colorado mule deer hunt or anything. It was like, I had to figure it out. Right. And like, I got to get away from people is the first and foremost, like, how do we get away from people? You know? And then it's like, okay, where are the animals? And then, then like the getting close to animals to me is like, okay, that's all very similar and the same, you know, the real hardest part that defines a good hunter and a, a, a you know, an average hunter is less about their ability to kill elk, but it's like to be able to consistently find, you know, to get those at bats, like to have that opportunity, because I tell you what, if you're on elk every single day, you're going to get a shot. It's just a matter of days. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Now, whether you capitalize on that's a different story, but, but like, you're going to get an opportunity. Like you, I just know those days are like, man, I'm an elk every single day. 
um, I remember leaving growing up when we were in, you know, hunting Roosevelt's and, you know, me and my cousins would be like, man, it's just a matter of time. Like we're in elk every single day. And that was a big deal. Like to be oh, in absolutely. elk every single day, it was like, yeah. and I, I, I pull from that to be like, you know, the more consistent you can be in animals, like that's where your at bats are coming from. And like, you just have to kind of be in the zone enough and eventually a shot's going to pre- present itself like you could be the worst caller in the world and if you're an elk every single day eventually a shot's going to present itself that is such a profound point uh I, I cannot express enough i've i've got so many people that they'll reach out to me and they'll be like um man what am i doing wrong i've been hunting elk for 10 years and and i haven't even seen one and do they actually exist you know and i, I know how they feel i remember i remember years ago when it was like you know just trying to learn this whole thing and I maybe see one elk all season. And I, and that was like, it was a moment like, Oh, okay. So elk actually do exist. They actually yeah. do live out here. Um, but I never saw them to the point where like you, you know, I could be an elk every day, but one of the things they, they, they talk about, uh, you know, what am I doing wrong? I don't even see elk. I don't hear elk. And it's like, okay, Let's let, let's start at a, at a very foundational level. How many days are you in the field? Well, I went out for two different Saturdays in September. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Buddy, uh, if you want to be, I, I, I can't express the importance of time commitment to hunting. Yeah. Um, 10 days, 10 days consistently hunting elk in September is going to be way more valuable than five years of going out every few Saturdays. Or every Saturday, even. Uh, if I told so that, you to like, if I was going to teach you to play the piano, but you could only play two days a year for the next five years, do you think you'd be a very good pianist? pianist? No, man, you'd suck <laughs> at piano. That, that's a great way to put it too. Because I'm a musician. Not, that's a great way to put it. Uh, it's not feasible. It, it's really not feasible. It's not. Um, it, time, time is, and I don't care if it's fishing. I don't care if you're fly fishing. I don't care if you're elk hunting. I don't care if you're bear baiting. It doesn't matter. It's, it, it really is. Time is what will, A, give you more at-bats like you were talking about, which I love that concept. Uh, that's going to be, I think, my focus this year is I'm going to try to put myself in more positions where I can I can get get some at-bats. And I hope people listening are are going to try to do that as well. Uh, and and now I forgot B. I, I said A. What, what was B? <laughs> Man. Totally blank. Um, but anyway, I, I would say like the follow up on that is that, you know, there's levels to the game and everyone has their own commitment and like, uh, like doesn't really matter. Like you're going to commit to as much as you can. And and I get that. Like everyone has different priorities. So I'm not saying like, you need to be out there. Like, just is what it is. Um, you just have to level out your expectations yeah. to, to them to map those, but there are definitely levels. And I think um, a good, so I grew up racing and um, I remember one of my first pro races um, racing with the, you know, at the national you know level, it was like, when I saw those pros, like I was always a good at the local level, but when I saw a national pro, it was like, I was like, Oh, there's levels to this game. And I think having that epiphany and you see that within elk hunting is like, there's levels to this game. If you could, if you could take all of the four steps I talked about and you could only like take one to that next level to me it would be finding elk because you need to find elk at a just a different rate um than you currently are and if you want to like you want to get at bats like again it goes back to like how are you going to learn the piano only playing you know twice a year and that same analogy is true when you think about like okay 
I may, I could find elk every single day, but if I only get into what I call the red zone twice a year, you're really, you're going to struggle to learn very quickly because there's so much nuance. And I can tell you exactly how to e-scout elk. I can tell you how to, how to get close or how to find elk. And I can tell you how to get close to elk, but there's something about the decisions you make in the red zone that are very difficult for me to like tell you. I can tell you, you probably should draw your boat earlier than you think. I could tell you that like you have to read that elk's body language. And I can tell you that, you know, sometimes you're going to have to make that shot happen. But you're going to have to learn a lot of those things on your own. And that's the one thing out of all of this that I can't really, I can't really teach you without you experiencing it. You know, like I can go through totally. the pieces of like all of it. Except for that, the red zone is tough. And if you only get in the red zone once or twice a year, it's going to be really difficult for you to get that killer instinct to know when to move and when not to move. And so like, I want to just tell people like, man, if I could just take you to on a pro level of what finding elk at a pro level means, like that's, that's the thing you need to do. Because if I can do that, if I can get you on elk every single day, that means you're probably going to get in the red zone. Let's just say every other day, maybe it's every day, but maybe it's every other day. How, if I can how do get you, you in the, go ahead. How do you define the red zone? Like within bow range. So let's call it okay. 50 yards. Sometimes I say 30 yards and like, it's kind of a football term. So when you get, I think, well, I don't know, is it under 20 or 30? It's called the red zone, right? Like you're close to the end sure. zone. There's, or when I call it the red zone, it's like within bow range. And it's like, a lot of people can get close to elk, right? But when you get into bow range, there's so much that has to go right, right? Like, you got to, you got to set up in the right spot. You got to draw your bow at the right time. You got to like make the call at the right time, like all these things. And that's kind of my point is like, if you're, if you're only into elk every three days, then you're maybe into in the red zone once a year. And it's going to be really tough to gain a killer instinct. If you're only in the red zone once a year, like how do you learn the piano playing once a year? You're not. And so like my, my concept is like, if you could focus on one piece of all this puzzle, it's like develop a system that's going to get you finding out quickly, because if you can be on multiple herds a day, like, I don't think it's unrealistic to say, and it depends on area. And I get, there's like a bunch of variables to this, but if I know if I'm hunting two herds at any given time and I have a morning hunt and an evening hunt, I'm on elk twice a day. Now I'm in the red zone maybe once a day, maybe every other day. Like now I'm really learning. Now it's like the opportunities are coming. I love this. Okay. Let's let's do like a scenario driven kind of discussion here for a second. Um, you, you, let's say I'm somebody back East and, and I've got a, I've got a tag out West, uh, for an elk hunt and, uh, I'm doing all my e-scouting. I'm, I'm doing all that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to come in. Uh, I, I always uh, get hung up on this. I don't know. It seems weird that they fly in, but they drive in, they fly in, whatever. It's irrelevant. Um, your philosophy or your, your recommendation, so to speak, is to spend that first day just really locating elk. And, and, and again, I, I want to highlight Cody's, uh, the way he broke that down is, is you have locating elk and then you have hunting elk. Hunting elk doesn't happen until you've located elk. Is that, is that. Uh, yeah. I call it getting so close. Yeah. Like in, in my elk hunting course, I call it getting like the getting close phase, which is like, you know, like it's all kind of wrapped into hunting elk. So, um, so let's, let's role play here and say, you know, okay, I'm coming from my back East. I think if you were stepping foot, which is totally fine. I think this is very, very, very doable. Uh, um, you know, mm-hmm. 
does boot leather kill elk? Absolutely. So does diesel um, and or gasoline, whatever. Um, but like uh, 99% of the work should be done. I should know this unit inside and out. Like if you want to operate at a, just a different level, you should know this unit inside and out from its maps, right? Like I need, I have like, options. For, you're on talking options. like Onyx kind of thing, Onyx, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I have plans on plans. I kind of know the ridges. I know the road systems. Um, I know yeah, like everything I can possibly know. I know like, okay, here's really where I think the elk are going to be like, and here's all this, the, the systems I'm going to use to locate it. So I land, I hit pick up the rental car and I, I really want to do this like in Colorado or something, um, and see if I can kill an elk in like, you know, 48 hours. Um, uh, or even in Utah, but like, I would know this unit inside and out. And then I'm going to like the, my first day, as soon as I can get to the unit, like I'm covering pretty much every road I can and making mental notes. And like, I'm basically confirming or denying the things I, I thought I knew from e-scouting. So like, I want to know everything I can from that. Um, and the, one of the last things I'm going to do is, um, set up a camp, like the, you know, everyone else, like they're going to set up a camp and they're going to I don't want to be that committed. So um, I'm going to cover as much ground as I can and basically check off what I know or don't know about all my e-scouting. I'm confirming or denying. And then from there, like I'm going into phase two of finding elk, which is like, okay, I'm going to make small probe trips and I'm going to run these like ridge systems that I thought were the most efficient use of my time. So whether, you know, depends on if I'm glassing or bugling, um, they're virtually the same thing to me. Um, they're just one is done um, in thick country and one's done in open country. So um, I'm running ridge systems and trying to just locate. And hypothetically, if I go on one ridge um, and I locate a herd of oak, it doesn't mean I'm going to hunt them tomorrow. Like I need to know more information, you know, like, and there's some variables there and there, you know, if it's convenient and it makes sense, maybe I will. Um, but for the most part, like I, I just want to get the lay of the land and I'm like, okay, I have one herd. So now I need more. Um, and I, like, I'm basically continuing this process. Like if I was, let's just use New Mexico as an example, like, um, I would, pretty much like not sleep until I had two herds of elk. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but like, I don't, I don't need a camp. Like we'll just pitch the sleeping bag under the truck until we figure out where we want to be because I may find a herd of elk and this has happened. You find a herd of elk. Oh, there's elk here. You don't know. Like that's the only herd elk within, you know, miles or whatever. And so like, I may end up on the other side of the unit by the next morning and be like, man, there's all kinds of elk over here. Like this is a much better zone for at bats. Right. And so now I may pitch that, but if I had pitched a tent on or pitched camp on the other side of the unit, like all of a sudden that's a deterrent for me to like want to move camp. So I'm like, no, we're, we're not doing that until we know more information. And so then I'm making like these probing missions where I might go out and, you know, I'll sleep, take a sleeping bag with me. Um, and we've done this in New Mexico. It's like, we're sleeping wherever we end up on elk and, um, you know, wake up in the morning, try to figure it out, spending the the midday, you know, searching waters checking waters we're just sign like we're just operating at a different level on finding elk from there then it's like a mix of finding elk and hunting elk we should just say like i'm gonna hunt those elk in the prime times um and that's gonna depend on the year and everything or the time of year <laughs> where it's like maybe i'm hunting them in the morning and evening you know a lot of times those elk aren't talking in the middle of the day so like it just doesn't do me much good so maybe in the middle of the day i'm trying to find new elk like that that's kind of like it it becomes this balance of I'm trying to get close to the elk I know about while also like setting up my next option. Um, and I'm using all that downtime to set up and try to find another herd. I want to, I want to like kind of point out and interject the, the real key takeaway with this, uh, what I really like about what you're talking about 
for uh, because I, I think maybe this I, I'm not sure if this light bulb is going off in other people's heads, but you see so many times these whether it's um, a couple of guys or, or a big group of hunters or whatever, their focus is getting out there and they set up these big camps. They get their wall tent going. Uh, yeah. They crack a beer, they get, you know, they spend an hour collecting firewood to, so, to have a big pile. And then they set up a spot, you know, they're, they're going to hang, hang the elk quarters from over there. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, they're spending like this whole day setting up a camp that they really shouldn't be at. And I, I see this all the time. One of the reasons I like taking my little hunting trailer, um, it, it's like this 20, 20 foot trailer and I can just drop that. I could drop this bitch off anywhere. And, yep. and, and then I'm on the road, right? And, and there's no real setup. There's no tents. There's no nothing. I don't have to worry about anything. And so the ease of use, that bed is always ready to go. Um, and and I, I love the concept of this isn't like some laxy daisy camp out in July. You yeah. know, it's, it's game time, man. Get out there, find the elk, worry about setting up a camp later. Don't set up some big elaborate system. You're not, it's not a resort. You're not <laughs> going to be, you shouldn't be spending that much time there. And so uh, I think that's a key takeaway, man, and it's something we've never really discussed. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I think there's like a lot of things that seem sexy in the, you know, in the space right now. You know, you watch YouTube videos and everyone's, you know, like, you know, backpacking, whatever. Don't get me wrong. You know, last time we were in New Mexico, uh, you know, we I set up a tent mainly. Most of the tents, if I ever set up a tent, it's usually to keep you out. Like that's the number yeah. one reason. Um, you know, I set up a tent is kind of like a, a base camp, but we would set up a tent and then we would, you know, take a sleeping bag and a pad and we would do these loops that were probably, you know, going four miles in and, and back out. And, you know, and I'm just basically doing these in and outs. And the only time I was at camp for probably the first four days was, you know, in the middle of the day. Uh, and that's kind of about it. And that's why it was like, we popped up a tent because I just didn't want anybody else there. Um, and you know, like it was a, it was a end of the trail spot and I was like, Oh, this is good. Um, and so like, you know, that's kind of usually the MO is like, I'm very mobile. And a lot of times I don't even do that. Cause like, it's nothing to, you know, get off one elk and be like, uh, I'm going to bounce, you know, I don't know, an hour away and tonight, well, you know, and, and get there before daylight and hunt and check on these elk or whatever, and try to find, you know, where this herd went. And so that's just kind of like, when I, when I say like, there's another level, I think that's what it looks like. But the hardest thing in elk hunting is that switch to flip from go, go, go to like, slow it down. This is what some of the best elk hunters I know are amazing at. They can go a hundred miles an hour on another level at finding elk. And when the second they do, they flip a switch and they can be the most patient person you've ever met. You know, they'll sit on yeah. an elk for two, three, four days and make sure the decision is right. That was tough for me coming from like the, the cat road shuffle type hunt, um, you know, <laughs> still born and raised this term, but like, you know, when you're you're just go, 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 go. It, it kind of bleeds over into like, let's run down there and be able to, you know, and try to call this elk in and, you know, inevitably it blows up sideways. But if you take the same go, go, go to find elk and then flip that switch and say, okay, when is the moment to attack? That's where you get really good is because you're making a much smarter decision on when to attack and not just necessarily like, I'm going to go and e either it works out or it doesn't. And we'll on to the next one. You know, I think that was, that was the mentality when my early twenties and, you know, maybe as you get older, you get more patience, but it's like, now it's like, okay, I got this bull. Um, and now I'm going to wait. And 
like to be honest like today where i'm at people don't like this but it's like you know i'm very picky a part of that is like i have the ability to hunt most of the season almost every single day and i I enjoy it i like being out there by myself um you know i love chasing big bulls um but i also love just being out there and uh, I just, I'm at a point where if I just shot the first six point, I'd, I'd have to go home and go back to work. Like, you know, yeah, very I, soon. I know the feeling. So, like, I, I'm just, I'm just fine with being out there. And so maybe that's why it's easier to be patient, but you know, uh, for me now it's like, I'm, I'm bouncing between a few herds and I'm kind of waiting for the big bulls to come to me almost like a bait pile. Um, and you know, and so like, it's just a little bit different game, uh, at this level. So I can be very, very patient. Like I'll, I'll watch elk for multiple days waiting for the right opportunity or even the right elk to show up. Right. Like, you know, you may have a herd of cows and a big bull is not in there, but you know, three or four days from now, I'm just going to watch them every single day. So, you know, there's, I don't know, there's, there's definitely levels to the game. Like I've mentioned multiple times, but I think like the ultimate, like you want to kill an elk every single year. And I think that's where most people are getting really good and efficient at finding elk is the key. I, uh, I love that. I, I, and I want to, I, I do want to kind of back up just a second. I know we're, we're uh, getting close okay. here, but um, what, what I want to want to kind of reiterate there is I, I don't want anybody to take what I said wrong earlier about, you know, getting to setting up this big luxury camp. If, if you're, you really got to focus on what you want your experience to be, totally. because I I've taken some, some flack for saying shit like that in the past, but I, I want people to understand if you just want to go out there and have a good time and drink beer around the fire and, and just be at elk camp, dude, knock yourself out. I, I, that, yeah. that's totally fine. Uh, and so I don't want anybody to like, yeah, cause I've done that. And I, I, I go with, uh, uh, some buddies that, that like to do the rifle hunt in October. I'll go hang out at camp with him and I'll go hunt with him. And it's real casual, hey. real, just, you know, nobody gets anything. They're just out there, you know, messing around, drinking beer and having a good time. You know, that's great. I love that. Hey. But I'm talking about for the real success driven type, type of hunter, uh, the luxury camp is not, not what you want. So, um, I, I oh totally and I, like I'm I'm a huge believer of having all of it you know like yeah I have you got to experience have, it all I have buddies you know we still horse pack together like I'm going this year uh, we're gonna horse pack we'll probably pack in more beer than we will food so like I'm totally on board with that like you just have to know like okay what what is the experience I'm looking for and you know for me on those it's like yeah this one this one's about hanging out with my buddies I don't I hunt solo because I don't want like during archery because I don't want any like distractions I don't want any like anything i don't like i'm in a in a zone and i'm operating like this is my job i show up like this is my job and like i'm gonna do it at a different level um and i enjoy doing that um that's just me and everyone can do their own thing and that's why i try to balance like here's i think people maybe maybe this is my own perception of myself but it's like people struggle with like oh here's what you do but here's what you preach i'm like okay what i'm I'm not trying to go kill every six point that's out there. Like, but I think 99% of people are. And so like, here's how, I, and I, I was at that point for a long time, you know, this is uh, I don't know, 23 years now. So it's like, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I think everyone has their own stages, right? Like, and that's great. And to me now, like I love going and, and taking other people hunting and I love going with my buddies and, and just having a camp hangout. And I love going super hard, um, you know, for most of September and just like being alone. So like find what, that's why I say like building your own system is really important because it is like, okay, what do you want out of it? And I think a hard realization for people is like, maybe the thing you've been doing isn't getting what you want. 
And that can be like a, man, I always go to this out camp. Here's who I hunt with. And that becomes like the norm, right? And it's really tough for you to have a system that's going to create success yes. if you hunt with yes. a bunch of people who don't. And that yes. can be very, very difficult. That's man, a hard conversation. I, f- I fell into that trap. I, I I fell into that trap for years, man. And uh, it all of a sudden you look up and it's almost a decade later. Nobody's killed anything, and but it's a fun <laughs> camp, right? Um, but, Super fun. You know, I and I I, I love that. Um, it's just a. I'm like you, man. I I have people all the time. They're like, well, let's go, let's go hunting in in September and. I kind of do the whole, um, yeah, man, hit me up kind of thing, but I have no intention because I, <laughs> I, I am a solo hunter. I, I love to hunt elk alone. I love to be, I love to bow hunt alone yeah. and I don't know what it is. I don't like, I'll go with other people sometimes and, and I don't really change the way I hunt, but I'm much more successful by myself. I, I don't know what the dynamic difference is there. And so, um, I, I just, uh, I, we could do a whole podcast episode just on solo archery elk hunting and i'd love to do that sometime because yeah and i got like i got like good tactics for that like in like i think it develops and people are always like you know um it's if you're gonna call elk you you have to have a partner i don't think you have to like i don't know i know and and realistically it depends on how good the caller is like they like inevitably um I end up defaulting to being the caller. Um, and that's just kind of like, maybe it's a nice guy in me. Like I, I tend to play guide. Um, and that's kind of why I don't like to be with other people or whatever. But generally speaking, like I've hunted the solo called solo enough that I am more confident in my calling system as a solo, even with someone's with me. I'm like, yeah, just yeah. hang out here. I'll, I'll be right back. You know, like, yep, and like, yep. that, and that's fine. I think it's very doable. I think you change a few things. Um, they both work right and if you have a hunting partner that is you are confident in and you guys can speak the same language of like you you don't even have to speak words and you know what the other guy's gonna do that's different like that that's very that's awesome i think it's super rare though i think it's way rare i i've got a couple people i i like to hunt with Uh, i've got you know my cousin andrew or my my buddy steve johnson the, the, other than that, I, I don't want to hunt with anybody. I, I just want to hunt solo. And honestly, even, even with those guys, as much as I like hunting with them, I'm better when I'm solo. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's a great, um, that's a great stopping point for this. Cause I, I told you, you know, uh, we, we cut it <laughs> off for those of you listening, Cody is so sought after and so wildly popular. He's uh, got like nine <laughs> podcasts lined up today. So we got a, <laughs> we got a time frame and that's, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's actually a good idea, man. I need to, well, do I it. told you, man, I told you like my strong suit is building systems. Well, I've built a yeah. system to where I do podcasts one day a week and I try to knock three or four out in a single day. And then I don't have to think about it. You know, it's like, this is the daily podcast. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people though, um, who, it's not sexy, you know, and that's the tough part is like, um, so for those listening, like I have an elk hunting course. Um, if you're interested, it's, um, it's like 30 bucks right now. And I'm, I'm going to add the rifle, um, later this year and we're going to add the e-scouting piece to it. So there's a bunch coming, uh, so you can get lifetime access for like 30 bucks right now. Um, but you know, I think that people struggle with like, they're looking for a secret, but when I tell them they need a system, like that's like the last thing they want to hear. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think it's like really, really important. And I think, you could be, I've had really great elk hunters take it and be like, man, 
I actually learned a lot from this. And he's like, I think I do a lot of these things. I just never really put the pieces together. And he's like, you know, one of my good buddies, he's like, this is amazing. So if people are interested, check it out. Um, but it's not sexy, right? It's like, well, I, I, I think maybe it is. I don't know. I guess it depends on your I think it's like that with so many things, though. I mean, look at like growing a business. The things sure. that work really are not the sexy things. It's not like there's one secret thing that'll make your business successful. There's not one secret thing. Everybody, you know, talk about a marriage. Everybody thinks that, oh, we're going to find this soulmate and we're never going to argue and right. and we're just going to admire everything each other does and it doesn't matter. Um, but, but the reality is, is it's the unsexy things in a marriage that make it work. It's the same with hunting. It's, it's this, this hard work that you put into it, this system, I I'm in love with this system idea and, and putting it into the, I've never had it put into that kind of context for me before. And so I, I really like, I'm excited to get off and like, start thinking about what my system is personally. And, and I, I want to, I want to develop it so that it is something that I can identify every time I'm out there. That is a system that is going to have some kind of consistency in, in, in us from a sense of, of results. So, um, it, it's powerful. That's powerful stuff. Tell everybody where they could find your elk course. Yeah, it's it. Um, I think about that, uh, course.therichoutdoors.net, um, is where you can find the course, um, the elk 201 course. And the, you know, I think you're harm center consistency and you know whether it's business you know if you want to be a successful entrepreneur it's like it's doing the unsexy things that actually get you success it's just be consistently good at those things and you know just repeated that Uh, there's something else i was gonna say i forgot um shoot darn missed by one god dude i'm i'm famous for that man so uh (laughs) Uh, yeah you say it's really smart but then i it's gone (laughs) Uh, that uh, i i i just I can't stress that enough. It's the unsexy things that that are are powerful. Uh, it's the time in the field, the uh, the things that developing uh, something that's not necessarily like habitual, but you do the same basic thing. Uh, like yeah, I like, remember what I was gonna say. Okay, gonna be, go. Hold on, before I forget. So the other, the biggest thing about a system that I like is that you know when you know you look at how a special operations train and you know they train to do operations or the tasks repeated like you you the mental uh the mental ability is that the, i guess the mental um not issue the mental uh think failing on the word here but like the the point is that like when you get into a stressed situation you want to default to your actions right and i think this is so true if anyone's elk cut long enough you've been frustrated you've not known known what the next move is and you've just like i don't know what to do i failed like uh next year right I think having a system gives you something to fall back on and is like, okay, when this, if this, then do this. Right. And like, it's so unsexy and people don't like it, but the reality is, is when you get out there and you've got your butt kicked multiple days in a row, you have a system to fall back on. You're like, okay, I need to find yes. new elk. Here's my system for finding new elk. Boom. Okay. Now I have elk. I, I nothing's working. What is my system? I fall back to this. And in the course, I I walk you through exactly what my system is and how I use it. And like, here's my three things and like all this. So it's like, you could literally just fall back on that. If like, you get in that point where you're on day five, you're frustrated, you're burnout, you're fatigued, you're smoked. Like you just can't use your brain. You have a system to fall back on. And this is like, you look at special operations, like this is how they train. Right. And so like, to me, it was like, that's how an elk hunting system should be built. 
Yeah, in the fog of war, everybody kind of defaults to their training, and and that's 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 exactly what it is. So I I love that. And who hasn't been out in the oak woods and you just feel like you hit this brick wall and like, what do I do now, man? I I feel like I've I've run all my ideas, but if you have that system, uh, you've always got somewhere to go. And so I I I freaking love it, man. I'm gonna take your course too. Uh, <laughs> where where's your course at again? It's a course.therichoutdoors.net. And you can just go to my my website, therichoutdoors.net, and it's probably a link somewhere on there. Okay. So, guys, I'll put all that in the show notes uh, if you want to check it out. Uh, you can also find Cody uh, on anywhere podcasts are found at The Rich Outdoors. What's what's your Instagram handle? Uh, the Rich Outdoors as well. The Rich Outdoors. So, um, well, man. And I- we actually have um, we have a podcast out. Um, that I just put it out last uh, last September we started putting out a bunch of our archived elk hunting. So if you know, you're super into elk hunting podcast, check out, it's just elk hunt podcast. Um, and, uh, I think we've got 50 or 60 episodes up and we'll be up putting a bunch more up as well. So kind of oh, from sweet. the archives of our Wapiti Wednesday stuff. So I just wanted a place, you know, we've done the 600 ish episodes now, the podcast. So I wanted wow. a place to kind of house all of our best elk hunting content. And so like, we just like, put all the elk stuff there. So some of it's old, um, you know, all the way back to 2018, 2019, 2020. Uh, but there's some really good episodes in there. If you guys are interested. It's the, uh, the kind of information that's just kind of timeless when, when we're talking right. elk hunting, right? Totally. Totally. Well, that's, uh, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you joining me. Um, I I'd love to, you know, continue some of these conversations on in the future, especially that entrepreneurship Absolutely. one. Um, but, but thanks again for joining me. I think this is going to be a super powerful school of September. You're a hell of a professor. <laughs> I don't like that. I'm uh, just really good at failing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we get along. You're just, you're, you're better at not failing as much as I am. So I, I think I hold the record, man. So I'm the most, well, thanks, commis- I am the most committed worst hunter you'll ever find. So <laughs> thanks hey. again. This is, that was fun, Cody. I, I really appreciate you, you joining me and then let's just keep in touch, brother. Yeah. Thanks, sir. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.